You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Let's get right into that journey into mystery. And this week we have a special guest, Alex. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Yeah. Glad to be here. <laughs> now, I'm sure that uh, Ian's uh, following on Twitch know you much better uh, than I do. But this is the first time we've actually met. So, uh, yeah, it's crazy because like I've heard about you tangentially for probably a couple of years now. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I think this is something that kind of goes both directions where i'll be talking with malfoy and i'm like yeah yeah so i was talking to mitch the other day and then we'll be podcasting and i'll be like so my buddy malfoy has this movie opinion that i don't agree with yeah <laughs> i got a well, lot of this yeah i hope you have a lot of opinions about guardians of the galaxy because that's the show that we're talking about today or movie that we're talking about today it's uh our 10th installment, but I believe the 11th movie in the MCU, or maybe 12th. I don't know. I've kind of lost the 11th because we lumped first Avenger and the Avengers into one. That's true. So this would be the 11th movie. Yeah. Uh, first opinions going into this movie when you first saw it. Like, who was super excited about this movie? I was. I was really excited. Yeah. Okay. What what was it that hit you? I mean, were you very familiar with these characters? Because I'll say, even as an avid comic book reader, I did not know these characters at all. Like these Guardians of the Galaxy's characters, uh, and I even remember like they aren't the exact same Guardian of the Galaxy characters. Like there was a, it's a different lineup that was in the comic book at the time, and then they, you know, things got changed up and moved around and stuff like that. So, what was it for you, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I I think. I was at this time like watching videos of like who these new people are because I literally had never heard of them before. I saw Chris Pratt got casted and I was like, oh, I know who that is. And then Zoe Saldana and I'm like, okay, well, she's got a pedigree, right? She's from Avatar. You know, she'll probably be good. But I was mainly putting a lot of pressure on it to see if Disney could do Star Wars because I think they had announced right around this time that they were coming out with the next one. Um, and trying to see if they could do space opera in this in whatever capacity that they wanted to with marvel money um and yeah i think it delivered it was probably i i liked it less this time than i did when i watched it in the theaters um okay. but i think when i did see it i mean i had it as my number one for a while i think that's common with a lot of people i think guardians of the galaxy on the list of mcu movies definitely lands up there at number one for a lot of people um and I would I would have to say to me, it's not my number one, but it, it lands close to the top because of the soundtrack. Now I'm not a music person per se, but like this genre of music or this era of music is definitely the my sweet spot. So <laughs> the soundtrack James Gunn creates for this movie and how it's integral into the actual movie, it just really sold me on this movie. And I don't think you have to be like a, a music buff or anything to just enjoy the soundtrack of this movie specifically. Like if you go listen to and like like the the pirates soundtrack, right? Like Pirates of the Caribbean. 
Like you, you need to have a, a little bit, if you want to get like precise about certain things, like I really liked it because it does this, this, and this, and the, uh, but this is just like, I like that song. Like, <laughs> there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that was a really good choice to make it that much more accessible to a group of people who have no idea who these characters are. Yeah. I mean, if you think that the avid comic book reader like myself doesn't know who these characters are, movie going people aren't going to know who these characters are like absolutely so having that strong 70s nostalgic soundtrack coming in there is going to sell a lot of people and i and i think that's one of the one of the reasons why then you throw in the fact that it's got a talking raccoon and a walking tree right honestly rocket is something that sold me on it he's the he's the heart of the movie for me i think he's the heart of the movie so then, Ian, going going into this movie, the first time you watched it, was it was it all about Rocket after seeing that trailer? Um, the first time you see it, I'm like, oh dang, okay, like the like the CG on him looks great. You've got, <laughs> uh, I'm spacing on names. Is it Bradley Cooper? Bradley Cooper. I almost said Anderson Cooper. <laughs> Bradley Cooper doing a very odd like accent like new yorker accent for it's some like reason east coast but not but it yeah. totally is it's like it's like east space coast <laughs> i mean everywhere's got an east right, right. Well, and then he's uh, also like mispronouncing words pretty selectively too oh yeah it's like it's weird, using, like... Them, using them completely wrong at times where it's like no no this is how this word works <laughs> and i i enjoyed it after you see him the first time that's when i was like okay Y'all came to play with this team that nobody's ever really heard of. Like you have your your cult following on this team, but y'all came to play if you're trying to sell them. And uh, then you see Chris Pratt for the first time as Star Lord, and I'm like, "Yo, my boy Andy grew up. Here we go." Well, I would have to say it's definitely no mistake that in the trailer for the movie they show the delousing yeah. scene, you know, of of Chris Pratt. Who has now got this eight pack abs, you know, and getting hosed down in the in the prison? Like they didn't make a mistake in in throwing that right into the trailer. And this is oh no, yeah, it's Andy Dwyer who, for most of those seasons, is very schlubby and just very funny. But now, but I also feel like if Star Lord was still fat like Andy, it wouldn't. I don't think it would hurt him. Like I, I feel like no, it would be fine. No, no, he would still be. He would still have the same attitude, and he'd still be just as campy and fun. But I guess this is the idea of like, well, we need to get the girlfriends or, you know, whoever to come into the movie when the guys want to go see it kind of thing. Like, that's the old way of thinking of making movies. I mean, I'm just here for that transformation because dude transformed for it. Exactly. Well, it wasn't just for this. He, he also made Zero Dark Thirty right before this. And he says that's what, what he got in the shape. I always forget that Zero Dark Thirty was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I forget about that movie too. Yeah, yeah, I, I I came out of that thinking Call of Duty paperwork, like that's all that movie was. (laughs) (laughs) Call of Duty paperwork. Um, How did you feel about it, Mitch? Your first impressions going in? Yeah, my first impressions were like, I am, I am stoked. I'm stoked for this because I don't know anything about it. Like, I literally have no baggage coming in because, like as much as I love Iron Man and, and the Captain America movies is like, I have history with those characters. And if they decide to, sh- to stray, I will pull that fanboy card and be like, well, they made that change. And, for, but for this, I have no, I have no stance. I have no like, well, you know, I, 
that could be how Star Lord acts in the comic books. I I wouldn't know, but I was here for it. Like it's it's really fun. It it's crazy because oh sorry, go ahead. I, I remember there being like I want to say a year before this movie came out, people were saying, "Oh, it's nothing. This is a risk. Disney is like completely taking a shot in dark on this. Like this is either a go big or go home moment." And I was thinking like they have nothing to lose. Like yeah. If they cast somebody wrong for Spider-Man, like that movie could be great, but if you don't get the right guy for Spider-Man, it's good, nobody's going to go see it, right? Like everything has all this like you said baggage. This has nothing and they get to just go make a movie they know is going to work and then it worked. Yeah. Like, yeah, no it, strings attached. It was great. And then once once it comes out, it's one of the the, you know, most uh fan favorite of the MCU uh, at that point. Like it people were it, it it spawned new comic books the title comes back you know uh it, it spawns a, a cartoon a disney dx car, or xd cartoon you know you get all these new versions of this these characters and they they just are now part of pop culture like you can go to target and buy a blanket with Groot and rocket on it for your kid yeah. or yourself like whatever you want to do my favorite ride at disneyland Gone now. Guardians of the Galaxy. So long <laughs> Twilight Tower of Terror. Yo, I was gonna say, were you a big Tower of Terror fan? Fucking I love that ride, dude. It was my <laughs> favorite. And then they changed it. And I'm like, okay, it's probably good. Like I trust them to make it a good ride. Like nobody was going on Tower of Terror really. And I'm sure it's great. But I was so salty about it because I'm like, dude, really? My favorite ride you had to? I mean, I, yeah. I never <laughs> rode Tower of Terror because I hate the feeling of falling. Yeah. And that's the whole point of that ride. So it's like, <laughs> I'm out. You're not yeah. going to catch me. I think you I haven't had an outbreak then. Nope. Or breakout. <laughs> yeah. Not today, Satan. What about, yeah. what about you, Alex? Have you done Mission Breakout? I haven't been to California Adventure. I don't even know how long. It's been a while. Oh, but okay. I mean, if I did go back, I mean, I would go on it. I would, I would want to know just to see for comparison's sake. Well, after the pandemic is over, whenever the hell that is, uh, Ricky and I are planning a trip for like as soon as things are safe. So yeah. <laughs> we should do that in like 10 years when all this is over. I was going to say, yeah, in yeah, yeah. 2035, you have that fun adventure. Oh, it's <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> when Amazon sells full hazmat suits for $25, that's when we get to go to Disneyland. Yo, bet do that now. I'd buy one anyway. Just to say I have one. Are you kidding? I mean, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> no, but I mean like when it's like super cheap and oh, it's yeah. not like a, a cost. Yeah, someone's yeah. gonna make that material super cheap and and, and cost effective. It's gonna happen. Right. <laughs> so when you guys saw this movie for the first time, did you cry within that opening scene? Or did you get like emotional during the opening scene? I did, and I thought it was like a, all right, Disney, I see you have to kill the parents, but like, damn, you got to do it like this? Straight up Bambi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 it was like so like shocking for me, that, and I was like choked up, and then I got angry. I'm like, why would you do that to me so fast? Like, why would this be the first thing that you showed it to me? I think it's effective and great, but I was just, I remember that being like, come on, man, really? Was You know, what's the funny thing is I just had this conversation in another podcast was that, you know, the dying stuff like family members and 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 friends and partners and stuff like that dying doesn't get me to that point anymore but it's it's friendships like that really do i'll get teary-eyed at that so at the end of this movie 
when they're all, you know, becoming a team and becoming a unit and and then unfortunately Groot, you know, dies because he's protecting all of them, that's when I get teary-eyed. Not yeah. not the beginning part. Like, don't get me wrong, the emotion was there at the beginning. I'm like, oh man, they're really setting up this character. Like the 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 setup is here. Like I can feel it, but I didn't get teary-eyed. Like yeah. if so we are Groot is an amazing moment, and yep. I'm I'm right there with you. That that hit me, and I was like, I'm getting teary in a superhero movie. <laughs> uh, but I think at the beginning, you could have had the same effect in setting up the character if you took um, Star Lord's whole like I'm dancing to go get the artifact thing, true, and you swapped it with the abduction so you do that so it's like oh haha he's just this happy-go-lucky like space outlaw and then he gets busted and then you go to the abduction as like a little bit of backstory i don't know if that would affect the flow super hard but i don't see a problem Hmm. or like i don't know it it could be i i mean i i see that (laughs) it it, it would be an interesting take but i i think you have to trust that James Gunn saw it a certain way and oh, he yeah. knew how he wanted that story to, to play out. And after Guardians and Guardians Volume uh, Guardian uh, Guardians Volume 2, um, I don't know any other James Gunn work right off the top of my head. Really? Oh really? Like I'm I'm sure I do, but like off the top of my head, I can't I, I don't. I don't really He wrote the, the he wrote the screenplay of, for Scooby Doo, I believe, the live action Scooby Doo. <laughs> Two live action Scooby Doo's. That's right. Oh wow! And then like, Slither is the only other thing I know of him. Slither, like, yeah. As far as the technical side of things, so like directing, uh, cinematography, soundscape, all that, I don't really pay attention to. Okay. Like I pay attention to who's who's the cast that's grabbing me, and then I look into the people in the movie that I enjoyed after, so I can keep an eye out for them in other work. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's about what I do is writers or directors too if, if like i felt like the movie overall was great i'll look up the whole team but if it's like just a performance then yeah you just i will say i did have to uh look up the writer for fantastic four this last one that happened so i can avoid their work like the plague that's yeah that's a good one good choice <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> well just remember that it was colin trevorrow was the director you you can Avoid his work for the most part. <laughs> Calling you out. If you have beef, get at me on Twitter. We can talk about how much your movie sucked. Well, I would also say that was Fox, in, you know, in there meddling a lot. So we'll just see what happens when Disney gets the gets their hands on it. It's the only movie that I've been. It's the only movie that I've been to with Malfoy that he actively talked shit in the theater. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah. I'm normally like I'm the guy who's like, all right, we're in the theater. Nobody's talking until it's over. Then we can talk. But this movie, like at the end, I was so mad. And when he was like, this is fantastic. And he's like, say that again. I was like, nope, fuck you. And I got up and I left. <laughs> like, it's the only time. It's I like the only time I was like, I'm over this movie. So, so much. And the lady behind me got mad and she, she had every right to be mad. Like I shouldn't have done that. But she was just like, are you serious? And I was like, all right, lady, the credits are rolling. All right, I, I earned that. I think we all earned that. We all I'm going to leave. leave now. <laughs> you had me interested through the first two acts, and then you shit the bed in act three. Come on, movie. You had it right there. You had it. 
Oh man. Thankfully this movie does not have that problem. It does not. (laughs) No, this movie keeps me the entire time. And I have not once been like, really, we're going to say that right now. You know what? What I remember one thing I remember about this movie, and not so much about this movie, but tangentially about this movie, when it was coming out before it had actually come out, there was that meme that was going around, and it would be it was like uh, basically it was making fun of DC, where it would be like DC executive says, or Warner Brothers executive says, we cannot seem to crack the idea of a Wonder Woman movie. We can't make that movie. It doesn't make any sense. And then it's Marvel executive says. We got we got a rock we got a re- talking raccoon with a gun and a walking tree. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's all. That's all I could. Uh, I, it's what. It's just the way that I equate the the two different franchises and how. And to me, Marvel is just doing it so much better. Like the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe is so much better. And I think DC could be doing a whole lot better for themselves if they would give us the characters that don't take themselves as seriously. That's fair. I mean, like they've they've done this whole, like, Oh, it's dark and it's gritty. And, uh, and then we saw the flash for like a minute. I think it, I think it comes down to what that meme at its core is saying is that Marvel is confident in what they want to do so much so that they can do a story with a tree and a raccoon and everyone's down. And DC (laughs) is out here, not sure what they want to do. They're trying to copy the tree and the raccoon and it just, it doesn't come out. It just comes off tone deaf. So I feel like if DC would just ignore everything Marvel's doing, which I get is hard. It's a business. You don't want to ignore yeah. success. Yeah. But if you just ignore everything they're doing and they're like, Hey, I have this idea. We're going to make this in a bubble. We're not going to pay attention to their shit. I would make great movies. Like, I feel like they would all be good movies. It's just, they're trying to play catch up for whatever reason. For well, yeah, for yeah. whatever. And, 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 don't get me wrong, I didn't care for Joker, but obviously a lot of people did, and it it blew like the box office. It blew everybody's minds how well that that movie did, and that was that was them doing their own thing with it, right? That's it's them going completely away from any other formula of any other comic book movie. Yeah, I mean, I think just the hope from that is they see the success as this is us with our core idea that we stick through from the start to finish. Yeah. And everyone appreciated the idea from what for what it was instead of we need to make more R-rated dark comedy. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, you don't need to do that. You don't need to follow the formula of that movie either. Just right. make the idea like you have 70 plus years of comic books to pull from. Like there's your ideas and hopefully they just go forward that from that. All right. So <clears throat> before we get absolutely off topic here here's my plan to save dc dc you can have it just you gotta talk to me first okay just give us a movie about the bat brood the whole bat brood all of them that's a that's a ambitious movie yeah but enough of us you just nightwing Okay, okay, hold on. I'm getting there. I I'm do. down for Nightwing too, dude. I'm on board. I'm on board with Nightwing. <laughs> enough enough Batman exists and Batman is enough of a like mainstream thing now that the Bat family isn't out of the realm of, oh, we know who that is. And if you don't know who that is, you're gonna know. And we're you're gonna know through the means of all right, we're gonna take five minutes per character and give you a real quick snippet of who they are kind of thing. 
And then boom, that's pretty much all you need to know about them because this is going to be a story that has nothing to do with their origins. It's just going to be a Bat Family story. I'd be here for it. I don't even think you would need to do that much. Yeah, but then we get to see Nightwing smack somebody in the face with his foot and his foot doesn't even move because he's just that flexible. And I'm like, how do you do that? (laughs) <laughs> but I think I think I think that speaks to the point of like you don't need to give a backstory for everybody. Like ultimately, if I know like five minutes of backstory for Batwing or an, another person off to the side, uh, Batwoman, Robin, another Robin, whatever. If I know five minutes, that's not like really enough for that to have weight anyway. Why not just have more fighting like John Wick? I mean, yeah. fair. You could even boil it down to thirty seconds of everybody, where it's like, "That's Dick. He's Nightwing now. Uh, that's Tim." Right. And I we think don't that, need to talk about him. That's the uh, point. Is that you can you can just say that, that character, Luke Luke. Uh, what's his name? Batwing. What's his actual name? Luke. Oh, I don't know. It's uh, he's Harry the son. Of, you know, he's the son no. of uh, the guy who runs Wayne Tech. Fox. Luke oh, Fox. Yeah. Luke Fox, there we go. You know, all you do is say that's Batwing, and then all of a sudden, you know, like audiences that don't know who it is, be like, okay, well, he's part of the Bat family. We get it. That's it. That's all you need. You don't need his backstory. Like it's it's perfect. Anyways, we we do we do need a Nightwing backstory movie, (laughs) please and thank you. But also, okay, speaking on, we can tangent back using the same point because we look at we look at Groot and I think Groot and Rocket are the two most successful characters coming out of this movie in terms of reception. Yes. What do we really know what do we really know about Groot? You you know he says I am Groot and that's it. Right. And he's <laughs> one of the most popular characters of the last 5 years. Yeah. And we know nothing about him. And everybody cares for like he he was proto baby Yoda, right? Like he yeah. is the the idea that everybody just fell in love with him and then you got baby Groot. So then everybody just fell in love with that. So it's just, it was the simplest thing. And then like you were saying, rocket really, he's just a foul mouth uh, raccoon, but then there's the one scene in the prison where he, you see his back and you, you know, obviously things were, were done to him and now you feel for him, you care. And that's it. That's all that needed to be done. And then you get, that the, was, the that was the scene, scene where they're the drunk. Like got me. Like yeah, this time around in nowhere where they're drunk and Drax is going to kill him and rockets like bet and pulls out a big old gun. Cause that's what he does. And then he goes on his like, I didn't ask to be made like thing. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh, homie, like, <laughs> my God, just come here. Let me, let, let, let me snuggle you. You little rodent bastard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the one, that was the one part that, on this watch that got me the first time around. It was the beginning. And then, that we are Groot, obviously. Like the first time you watch it, devastates you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was ready for it this time, so it didn't really hit that hard. But yeah, I've just forgot about that bar scene. So when he's like, "I didn't ask to get made," I was like, Shh, "That's heavy for what was not really a a really heavy company at the time." Yeah, especially since like throughout the whole movie, he's this he's this tough guy, right? He's he's the I don't take gruff from nobody, and you know everybody's got to do it my way, but it's. It's 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 all a mask because he's even like you called me rodent. She called me thing. Like you guys all suck. Like it it it's like it, oh yeah, those words hurt. Like it sucks. How okay, so since we're back on track now. Uh-huh. How do you feel about Ronan as the bad guy in this one? Well, it, they do pull the they pull the 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 classic card of kill the bad guy at the end, right? Kill and the I'm mad about it. 
But you know what? It's not the last time you get to see him in the MCU. We just have to go back 20 years to, or 30 years to the 1990s during Mar- Captain Marvel and you get to see him again. Oh, he's in that movie? He is. I'm sorry if uh, you hadn't no, seen No, no, no. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> if I, if I, uh, Marvel. So this is good. Yeah, be I haven't, I haven't watched it for the podcast. I'll get, I'll get around to it is where I'm at on that. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Cause I feel like Lee Pace is a great actor. So it's Lee Pace is a great actor. You're right. I felt like Ronan was set up to be like the big bad of the movie, but then he just wasn't. He was one of the more like non threatening bad guys that they've had, even though his plan was to blow up a planet. Well, he it's he's it's genocide. He wants to get rid of a whole race of people, right? So yeah. I feel like if this movie didn't have its 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 uh, larger ties to the rest of the MCU and the whole Infinity Saga, like I think Ronan would have come off as a bigger villain, but. Because of he's he suddenly becomes a lackey to Thanos, you don't know how to treat that. You're just kind of like, oh well, if there's another guy that's even bigger than him, why do we why do we care so much about this guy? Right, and I don't. So this is me getting on my box about like don't kill your villains because they can come back to play something bigger. In this movie, Ronan stands up to Thanos and he's like, haha, I have your thing. I don't need you anymore. I'll go do it myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, leave him alive. Have Thanos wreck him and <laughs> actually prove how tough Thanos is. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would have been a it would have been a good move, but it's it's even even Drax in the end of the movie. He's like when uh, Gamora's like, "Hey, you know, you you've avenged your your wife and daughter. You killed Ron- we killed Ronan." you know, they can sleep easy. And he's like, well, Ronan was just a pawn. Now I know Thanos was the real evil. I need to kill him. And she's like, well, you just stated that what the rest of us were thinking. It's you just undid your movie. Yeah. Ronan isn't a big threat. And, and even though when he walks, when he's first in the court of, uh, of Thanos, like he just kills Thanos's minion, like, like nobody's business with a, uh, wave of his hammer and it's it's he's obviously formidable but we don't get that like he would have been awesome in thanos's like like personal retinue from infinity war and endgame oh his uh oh what's it called his black yeah he would have been awesome in that where you leave him alive, you let him get away, you stop him from committing genocide, and then he just like scampers off into space, like, oh, you got me, right? And then he shows up again, and now you have now you have the Guardians that are like, hold up. Welcome back. Alright, we, we beat you once, dude. We can do it again. And he's like, yeah, except this time I got Big Daddy Thanos behind me. So, like, but- are we really gonna do this? It's it's kind of what we get with with uh, Nebula though, right? Like she is the second secondary villain in this movie behind Ronan. So they let let her live throughout the movie. She gets to come back in the second Guardians of the Galaxy and try and kill them again. But in more true to comic book fashion, like we, she just she switches sides in Guardians of the Galaxy too. She 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 and Gamora become a closer unit. They become friends sisters whatever what have you thus in infinity war and uh in game she's now on the good on the side of the good guys yeah because every 
every superhero group needs a Venom. I guess. Well, I mean, we, we always need our anti-heroes. Yeah, we, we need the one who like plays jump rope with morality, who's like, yeah, I'll help you because I don't want to die, but... And is doing the whole thing for, uh, for redemption. Like they need to redeem all the acts, that, the bad acts they did before. I mean, that's what yeah. Black Widow sets up in the in in Avengers, right? She's like, I have read in my ledger. I need to. I'm doing the right thing now. I'm doing the right thing now by killing more people. Well, they're the bad so, guys. Bringing up Infinity War, I think that's a good example because I think it's the flip of what this movie ends up doing with its villain. Because this movie is very much an origin of where. The main cast is all the movie is trying to get us information about. The mm-hmm. plot is to show character development. It's so we grow close to the main four or five. Right. So the villain isn't that important in a lot of these movies because it's he's there to serve as plot progression, not necessarily as this guy is super important, which they even say at the end, like, well, really, it's Thanos that we should worry about. Ronan's mm-hmm. really not that big of a deal. But then the part that I have an issue with is really... A thing that this movie does a lot is how important death is at any given moment, because the movie's telling us that Ronan's not that big of a deal, but also he was trying to blow up an entire planet. It's pretty mm-hmm. big. Yeah. But then also, every single person in this movie almost dies at some point, and then they don't. So it's like all these undercuttings, but then also this is really a big deal, but then also he's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes it's it's quite the yo-yo throughout the whole thing like like the first time you see um quill when he goes to save gamora who's floating in space right like the idea that we all have of space is that is you know you can't go out there if you if you need if you're a kind of person that needs to breathe space is not a good place for you right so gamora is dying he's he jumps out there takes his helmet off which apparently has a force field on it i'm guessing that allows him to to breathe or whatever puts it on her and he starts to freeze up the first time i saw that i'm like th- i i almost got angry i was like why is he not dead like he should be dead instantly right. of course that little bit of information at the very end of the movie they used to explain why he was able to hold on to the stone but to the rest of us is also the reason why he was able to breathe right right he's like a celeste like half celestial essentially yeah I did like that was a really cool little Easter egg was um, at the collector. Like when they're hanging out with him and he's given the story of the infinity stones uh-huh. that you see the celestials. Like they're yeah. the ones that have them. I was like, if you don't know what you're looking at, it's like, all right, cool space guys. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also like, cool. Cause now that I didn't piece that together. Like I knew they were celestial too, but I didn't piece together that that's like, they're I guess where star star Lord like came from that as well. Mm hmm. I like did not piece that together. Yeah, that's cool. And since they have shown us the Celestials, this is my quick little like toss into the future. What if our next bad guy is Newell? I, I mean, I could see that. I just don't. I really don't see the next phase going into uh, uh, going back to space, outer space being like big bad. Like like as much as I want to see Galactus, I don't think that's going to be the one that they're going to go with next. Like it's. It's time to rebuild. It's time to like, like foster your next generation of Avengers. But I'm I'm going to be hard pressed to get back to Earth and care. Nah, <laughs> you know what I mean, no, because like, if you keep getting bigger, eventually you get to a point to where you can't even even with Marvel, you can't take it seriously. 
And I think they have a good thing right now to where even though a lot of it is crazy, wacky fun by most other things standards, it's still serious. Like there's still weight to what people do and you get upset and you're invested. Um, If they start doing stuff to just get bigger and bigger, then you get the Fast and the Furious situation and nobody takes those movies seriously. I don't care what you say. You might enjoy them, but you don't take them seriously. And I think that's something that Marvel wants. I enjoy the hell out of those those Fast and Furious movies, but yeah, you don't take them serious. Like, there's yeah. only seen anything you furious. You save the day with Car. Like Car does not save the day all the time. Right, Matt. Watch me jump it over a semi and do a flip <laughs> and catch a person. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I think for the next probably while, probably two phases, maybe keep it small, reset, get us used to like some like lower things, so that way when a huge thing down the line shows up it's like oh this matters again it's not thanos and then something just as big as thanos right away you know what i mean and i'm talking about like because we're going into the next full phase here like the next like full story arc are we though is it ever gonna happen again (laughs) like ideally if stuff can get made then we're going into the the next big story arc and I don't think you have to do oh, excuse me. I don't think you have to do anything crazy to set up like Galactus or Null or any like big cosmic entity that can pose a threat. Phoenix even. Um because you could do Phoenix on Earth. Phoenix is on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um but get the Shiar to show up and just, you know explain to what what the phoenix is and that they're looking for it and then all of a sudden now we got gene gray and now you got the whole x family yep because they bought fox right like they have plans for mutants or no at the moment they they've said that there's no plans to bring in mutants at any time but i think they're messing up i think feige is keeping everything close to the vest he's he's really for sure yeah he's gonna be he's gonna be dropping in select mutants here and there and you set it up as like the next infinity saga where it's like over the course of multiple multiple movies we're getting bits and pieces of trying to figure out who the next bad guy is and then suddenly they're like hey what's up i'm here and we do like we do like like red and gold phoenix so you know it's like a bad situation yeah because green and yellow shows up and you're like, ah, the X family can take that. But like red and gold shows up and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're going to, we're going to all hands on deck here. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's too funny. How do, uh, how do the, the mutants, um, like, do they tie in at all with Atlantis? Like with Namor? So yeah. in, in some iterations of the Marvel comic books, Namor is the first mutant. Like he is the, the first, uh, because because he is different from the rest of the Atlanteans, uh, he he is considered the first mutant. Other than that, not really. Okay, because I know Storm has ties like to Wakanda, right? Yeah. Well, so, yeah. So that would be a pretty easy one to put in there, right? Yeah, the early two thousands, they had uh, Storm and Black Panther married off to each other, but I don't think they would go with that again since they they so heavily played into the love interest in Black Panther already with uh okoye well i mean they don't they don't have to be love interests right Right. like just just like a a means they already have like a spiritual element to black panther already so if they wanted to i mean obviously uh scarlet witch quicksilver 
there's there's some weird like, i don't know how they want to explain mutants miracles. now but yeah, exactly going forward they're not miracles anymore are they going to be mutants how did they get but also they came about from experiments from one of the infinity stones and then the infinity stones did that seismic whatever event that they were talking about right yeah, yeah. The gamma, the gamma waves that came off of the the snap. So, if they wanted to say mutants are a product of Infinity Stones, it would it tracks with what they already have established. I just want mutants involved, so I'd go bet, give them to me. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean I've never been like the biggest X Men fan, but I do think as big as that franchise is, there's a lot of great characters that could probably benefit Marvel from using them. But they've all been done plenty of times, so it's it's kind of hard to like want them so fast. I think the interesting thing is going to be: Do you go X Men two thousand, where most of your X Men characters are going to be of mid twenties to late twenties, or do you go X Men first class, where they're all going to be teenagers? You know, kind of thing. Like going forward, is it going to be these teen these people that were? hitting puberty at just the time of the snap like their x gene got turned on because of the, because of the snap or is it going to be well everybody who had an x gene and then the snap like supercharged it so that everybody has who has an x gene now has powers i like that one so that you have a, like- you could have professor x you can have professor x you can have magneto you can have the older mutants um and if you really wanted to Bonus points, Marvel. If you make Bishop Wakandan, like from the future Wakandan, yeah, that would be interesting. Like Bishop walks back. Bishop sets up our bad guy for this next one, where he has to come back, and he's like, "Hey, y'all need to get ready." And he doesn't say why; he just keeps showing up places. So he pulls he a flash from Batman v Superman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like infinitely cooler because it's going to be written better <laughs> and it's not going to be ambiguous about whether or not it's a dream or time travel like the producer said it was exciting that you couldn't tell yeah no, no, no bro no. i was so <laughs> mad <laughs> this, this is obviously time travel because that's what bishop does all right so does flash fashion flash obviously time travels but they still were like yeah. eh. well in your mind, in this little scenario of a, of a scene that you set up, do you have a particular actor playing Bishop and you can't say Idris Elba? No, and I'm sad that we can't be Idris Elba because he is the choice for Bishop, but he was also a goddamn good Heimdall. Yeah. <laughs> He's a great Heimdall, dude. Come on. That's right. He was a fantastic Heimdall, but I'm sad that he can't also be Bishop. He can't just be like, yes, I know. Like Thor's like, wait a minute. And he's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you think Heimdall spent all his time watching the Bifrost? <laughs> no. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Just an excuse to get Denzel in, even though it probably doesn't make sense. Oh, that I, wouldn't be bad. I, I would say nah. I I I don't. I, I don't. Uh, any reason to put Denzel in your movie? You put Denzel in your movie. That's true. <laughs> How about, find a role for him, dude. I mean, not nearly a good actor as Denzel Washington, but how about Michael Jai White? That could be cool. Yeah. See, I keep coming. Wait, to, it, I may, I'm hoping I'm thinking of the same other oh, right guy. I keep coming I, to I think actors. I, I keep coming to actors that have already been in Marvel. 
Well, I mean, been in the MCU, and it's like, Tim, you've already been there. You can't do it again. Well, you yeah, can't. They've they've had a couple people replay stuff, just like Maharsha Ali was uh, in um, Luke Cage, and now he's going to be Blade. Like it's it's possible. But I feel like Marvel's making an effort to make those TV shows disappear. This is also true, but they existed. You can't sit there and tell me my right, memory yeah. don't happen. <laughs> right. Um. Like, if he wasn't, if he wasn't Killmonger, Michael B. Jordan could have been really good. Yeah, no, I was thinking the same thing too. <laughs> yeah, that's too big of a role for him to come back. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like he's already been in a big role. We can't have him just show up from future Wakanda, being like, "Oh, hey, what's up?" And then so, like, hold on, we killed you. No, you killed I don't. Like, I don't think on. this is the role for him. But I think we should get Lakeith Stanfield into the MCU as quick as possible. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Like he's he is he is a good actor, and I, I don't he's, know. He's a, also like a strange dude. Like generally, he's just very odd. <laughs> I feel like he could play like a really cool like not like the lead of a team, but like the guy in the background who gets the great lines and doesn't have to have like the neutral persona. I feel like he would be great. Like if he was a guy who just showed up as like a, I don't know, like a background character, like the Hulk has been in like all these other movies, but not getting his own. And he's just like the flavor that gets injected into scenes. So you're telling me that if he could do a good Cajun accent, he should be Gambit. (laughs) That would be cool as fuck. (laughs) Because that's all Gambit does. He just, he's in the background. He says a slick line and just looks cool all day. And then he throws a card at you and you're like, oh, he's like, gotcha. And then you explode. (laughs) That would be so sick. That's like, that's an inspired choice. We should. Stamp of approval. I like this. <laughs> so getting but back, I, to- I also think even though it's like crazy with uh, structuring contracts and stuff, I think having background characters like that would be way better. To just like, as we were talking about with the the back characters before, not necessarily give them a bunch of setup and give us a bunch of exposition. Just have them just show up, and it's like, yeah. oh, that one guy's here again, and not know yeah. a whole lot. Now that we have two teams, we have the Cosmic Avengers and we have Earth Avengers. I see no problem with other teams popping up. Like we've been talking about with like the Thunderbolts showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, we make the Thunderbolts out of the surviving villains, more or less. So we already know who they are. Um, but then, you know, Great Lakes Avengers can roll through and be like, we're helping. Because that's how we get Squirrel Girl, and we need Squirrel Girl if Galactus is going to show up. Anna Kendrick has already voiced uh, interest in playing Squirrel, Squirrel Girl and no one else for the MCU. Yeah, this I'm is... here for that. That's fantastic. But then there was they did cast her in a show that didn't happen, but it was the the I forget what her name is, Milani. Uh, she's the the lady in the AT and T commercials. Do you remember those? Like. I work at the AT&T store. She's I think I know who you're talking about. I think she was on Silicon Valley a couple times too. I, I think so as well, yeah. So, yeah, yeah she she was the voice uh, or no, she was cast as the live Oh, actor. I remember this. Yes. Yeah. For a New Warrior show that was supposed to happen but never took off got off the ground. It's Crazy a, stuff. We're way off from Guardians at this point. It's but true. Is there any chance, do you think, that the Runaways would be made MCU canon and just get those kids involved? 
I mean, technically the show is canon, but I don't know. I don't know if you ever get to see those particular actors playing those characters in a bigger MCU thing. It's like they should have shown up in Endgame. I would. I I don't know if they want to get kids involved in Endgame. We uh, should have shown like when everybody was rolling in, like through all the portals. The the Runaways should have been there. There's a lot of people that should have gotten a brief cameo. However, of all those those cast members, like. Which one do you think is strong enough to show up and like play uh, opposite Tony Stark or uh, Robert Downey Jr.? Fair. <laughs> no, I, I'm being serious. Do you do oh. you think we're actually serious? I'm not. I wasn't trying to put him down. I'm just. Wondering. <laughs> um. No, I have to think on that for a minute. I think who's, who's I, in the runaway. I think the the actress that plays Minora or Minori. I think she's really strong. Yeah. So, and and her character having the tie to Doctor Strange already, I could see her showing up in the next Doctor Strange movie or even the WandaVision show. Like, I think that's possible. Otherwise, I don't know where the, the other characters might show up. Uh, the one that plays Caroline or Carolina or Carolina, uh, she's she being an, uh, an alien from outer space. So the group Starfire. Yeah, she could. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she could show up in in a, the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That that'd be interesting too. Yeah, it, like because they're kind of setting up the Guardians to be kind of a revolving door of space people, which you kind of have to do because after the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie, whose contract is still going to be viable, right? Like who's still going to be around? I think that's the big problem too. Is like we get to see how everything's made enough that we're not asking who would be cool to stick around. We're asking, all right, who actually can. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of kills half the fun of speculating. Cause it's like, well, this guy's immediately gone. Cause I know he has zero movies on his deal. So like that idea is gone and it sucks. However, you know, after Thor Ragnarok, Chris Hemsworth revitalized himself in the, in the franchise and signs on for another, you know, another set of movies. He's going to do another Thor movie and he's going to be in the guardians of the galaxy volume three. Like, I'm nervous for another standalone Thor movie. Ragnarok proved that you can do it and it can be fun. It's not just this like crap. We have to sit through some Thor, but I'm nervous. I I know, but I think that the, the fresh like uh, storyline is, it's not going to be Thor's storyline anymore. It's not going to be Chris Hemsworth Thor's storyline anymore. It's going to be Jane Foster's story. Right. So it's coming at it a completely different way of who is this normal you know, uh, average everyday person who gets the power of Thor and how that affects them, as opposed to a person who is already a god. Fair. Which, by the way, I think I need to throw this in here. Um, I'm really excited for for Jane Foster Thor. <laughs> I cannot wait. I'm just happy they're not I'm... wasting Natalie Portman anymore. Right. True. And here comes here comes the most important question of this entire episode, Malfoy. If you had to recast anyone in Guardians of the Galaxy as Tom Cruise, like put Tom Cruise in Guardians of the Galaxy, who would you have cast him as? Go, Andy. Our Lord. (laughs) (laughs) That's too obvious. All right. Hear me out. It's going to be a layered answer. But it's going to be... So it's him playing... uh, Um... 
fuck why did i just blank i think i think it's right him playing les grossman from tropic thunder as drax as Tra- <laughs> <laughs> oh that is that is very layered so, so every so every time that he is like i would catch it like my reflexes are too fast it's like him as lex saying that seriously because he doesn't take anyone's shit <laughs> i mean i love that answer and my answer like pales to it now but i was thinking i mean tom cruise fits into guardians of the galaxy volume one as ronin like ronin the accuser yeah yeah that was my second answer yeah my choices i have two i would have cast him as yondu okay or i would have cast him as the collector oh he would have done something really cool with as the collector because think about how benicio del toro took that character and just went super eclectic with it just like Like, totally off out of the box like with it and i think if you would have told tom cruise to do the same you would have got a combination of les grossman and uh stacy jacks like kind of thing yeah. like oh for sure dude it would have been <laughs> off the wall it would have been it would have been really cool to see him as the collector though if health concerns hadn't been an issue bowie would have been the ideal collector i did yeah. not know Oh wait, are you saying that he was going to be it, or are you just no, saying? I'm saying that he was like that was towards the 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 end of his life, and he was already having all those health issues. Okay. So like, I don't think it would have been possible for him to do it, but he would have been the yeah, perfect been cool. collector. Mm-hmm. Just make him the Goblin King in space. <laughs> Essentially, that's like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we get a reason to see him in tight space pants, and that's fantastic. <laughs> With giant god So in that that moment where he says "Karina," he's like pelvic thrusting at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we usually go through the cast, you know, the ca- the cast of characters in, in the movie, and see where we could possibly see them in the future. Like we obviously know all these characters are coming back for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Um, Minus Yondu. Minus Yondu. This, this is correct. <laughs> um, but, like, other than in the Guardians movies, do you see these characters in the larger Avengers sort of o- overarching storyline? Do you see them showing up anywhere? Any one of them? I think Rocket is going to spend more time on Earth. That's interesting. Like, because... do, you, do you see him interacting with other, other raccoons and being like, what the fuck? Probably. But I think he, I think he fits in with the technology forward thinking of Wakanda, and I think he fits in really well with um, Bucky because he wants that arm. Because he wants that arm, and like they very easily could have um, uh, Han Solo, Chewbacca kind of thing. Like, hey, let me shoot that real quick. <laughs> okay, like all I, right. I think that's the buddy cop movie we didn't know we needed. I, I, think, I think that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think he is a bridge of sorts between the universes. Yeah. I mean, if anybody's going to reach out. It's going to be him. Quills too. like <laughs> better than everybody. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't like earth, even though I like all the pop culture from earth. Like, yeah. Earth sucks. Cause my mom died here and I'm sad about it. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like uh, Star-Lord coming back to Earth for any sort of character development would be more of like a hurdle than it would be anything. Or or like it would be such a like 
a tar trap of like, all right, we have to deal with this because obviously he would pay attention to all of this stuff. Like we can't just act like he would just gloss over pop culture. Like this is his thing. Of course he would pay attention to it. So then it's not really a meme movie. I almost yeah. feel like he would like have to seclude himself for like a week or a couple weeks just to watch all the things and listen to all the songs and be like, okay, I need to catch up kind of thing. Yeah. Unless you get or- Apple Apple iTunes in outer space. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, that, that feels strange. And I also feel like based off where they left in Endgame, all those characters are leaving Earth for a while, if not forever at this point. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know that any of them have anything currently that would tie them to coming back. Um, unless Gamora stayed on Earth afterwards, which, I mean, that would feel like a red herring. That's um, true. The whole idea is that they needed to go find this new Gamora, right? So that he can essentially make her fall in love with him again. Yeah. Or, or to make up for the Gamora that died, to make up for whatever lost, whatever they lost in that process. Yeah. Um, but I, I think obviously there's two more movies with Thor because there's a, a Guardians where he's with the Guardians at where we leave them, and then Thor is his name, so of course he's going to be in it. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, I think Rocket will probably stick around for at least the, the initial transition for the, um, what am I trying to say here? Thor getting back to the Asgardians. Until that happens, I think the Guardians of the Galaxy will not come back to Earth. And, and you know, we kind of, in in game, we see Hulk and, and Rocket kind of hanging out a lot together. So maybe there's a, a there's a thing to that, too. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I think so, too. Because what was that? Um, I think I don't I don't see Hulk going away anytime soon, because no. I think him having that bounce around spot that I was talking about mm-hmm. works so well. In every, I don't think there's been a time where Hulk shown up in a movie and people were like, "Yeah, it didn't work." I think for the most part, everyone's like, "Yeah, the Hulk is great at what he is." Except for when we give him his own movie, we're not really that big about it because he works great in small doses. You don't need all the angst that comes with a Hulk movie. Like, right. oh, yeah. the fact that I, I'm a monster and I destroy things, and especially now that we've had like Hulk Banner, right? He's just like. Oh hey, I'm here and I get to just be goofy Mark Ruffalo and I don't have to really do anything else except pose for awkward Hulk selfies. Either it all works or none of it works. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> um I see so this as a huge success. Bruce so bring up banner. I, I had a question. Um, because now that we've talked about Rocket, I think he fits uh the suggestion that I was gonna make of the Fantastic Four being the bridge between Earth and um, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the cosmic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly uh, have them show up as background characters, I guess. Again, with the the contracts and stuff, it's hard to get people for background characters because it's kind of right. a waste of a, a film slot. But I had this idea of having Sue Storm show up in a movie and then the Baxter building gets built and then Reed Richards gets established in a movie. And then all these other characters. And then we have this space station or something built as a literal bridge from Earth to the, cosmi- to the cosmos. And then something happens. And then you get the event that would make the Fantastic Four. But we knew them before they were the Fantastic Four. So that event has weight to it. Um, I, think, 
I think that's a great idea, and I I, I kind of feel like that's what they've been doing with the Spider-Man movies, like in the first in Spider-Man Homecoming, someone buys the Stark Tower, right, or Avengers Tower. To me, that that that's that's the Fantastic Four buying the Baxter, making their new Baxter building. The second movie, right. second Spider-Man movie. Hey, look, we have something coming. It's one, two, three, four. Watch, keep watch out for it. It's it's, it's leading to it, but I I love your idea of you know. Peter in the next, you know, fin- uh, next Spider-Man movie says, "Oh, you know what? There's this new guy in the science circuit that's doing all this crazy stuff, and I really want to go see his uh, symposium or his his lecture or whatever, his TED talk." And uh, he keeps trying to get Richard's TED talk. It's a new guy in science, and he's doing science. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so the the Bruce Banner thing that I was going to ask was. Reed Richards is considered one of, if not the smartest guy in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. So do we have him exist at Bruce Banner's age? So that way Bruce is a peer? Or do we have him as a younger age as uh, Peter's as a peer? So that way he hasn't been around for uh, essentially what would be a situation that would have called for Reed Richards if he existed at this point. Put him in the middle. That way we have the full spectrum of smart. We have young Spider-Man. We have like late 20s Reed Richards. We have like kind of middle-aged Bruce Banner. And then we have old guy Hank Pym. Yeah, that works. Yeah. And then everybody gets together and we get Hank Pym being like, well, back when I was doing science. Rah, 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 rah. And Spider-Man being like, catchphrase. I think I think the way to kind of solve and it, it's kind of a it's a it's a terrible cop out, Alex. But I think one of the ways you could do it is that you have him, you have Reed Richards be a peer to Pank Pym back in the sixties and seventies. Something happens in that time where he gets stuck outside of time, and then comes back, and now he's the the age that uh, Ian explained. So he is smart, and then. This also is a reason why he was not involved in all the Avengers events. We could do that with the whole team. Yeah, you could. That could well, be. I mean, whole- now that time travel has established, ooh, yeah, we okay. we could do whatever. Yeah, and like with the whole microverse or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah so that I was going to bring that up too was because I remember seeing like a an Easter egg or something in the like small dimension. There's like a city in the background or something. And people were suggesting that it could be like Dr. Doom's hiding there or something. I don't really like that idea. Um, but playing with your idea of we cheat and we have Reed Richard be from the sixties, like he is in the comic and then somehow have time distortion. Maybe he's in that city and he's been researching there the whole time. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I think I brought this up before in, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, when they're in the quantum verse, they definitely show you all the different elements, like the the four elements that make up the the Fantastic Four, and they do it prominently. It, there is a way of of explaining that the the Fantastic Four have been stuck in the quantum verse since the sixties. Yeah, that would they, be that would be kind of interesting, honestly. Mm-hmm. They were also like gathering pim particles. At the end of Ant Man Two, like Ant Man and the Wasp, so just like, oh no, Pym particles got you, got got in your DNA or whatever. However that works, man. Now you got weird powers. I'm yeah, sorry. You powers. You're, you're absolutely right. So then we before, get another Fantastic Four origin movie. I mean, so, it's so that's why I wanted to do my idea to where like the event happens, but we're not there for it. Like we yeah. understand the graph. Like we know. Like we have it established that the Fantastic Four or Sue Reed. 
uh, Johnny and uh, Ben are all up there doing various things. And then some sort of like natural disaster or some sort of event set on by a villain of some sort. Maybe Galactus, maybe Silver Surfer, maybe someone else. That happens and we see it from afar from another person's perspective, like another hero, maybe like an Earth hero. And then later, like the people who know that the Fantastic Four there are going to be like, oh shit, that's the thing. But other people won't. And then later it'll pay off. Yeah. I, I, I love your idea because we don't need another Fantastic Four origin story. We just don't. We don't need it. We don't want it. I don't want it. But <laughs> it's it's. And then I, also, it's not like their powers are super convoluted. Like if I see Mr. Fantastic, I'm like, I get it. I know what he's doing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't need to like some crate like Spider-Man. How does he get his powers? All right. We can spend some time with that. There's there's some stuff going on. There's some DNA. Like, I guess there's DNA, too. But like visually he stretches i get it <laughs> you can line them up and go you turn invisible you get like invisibility stretching you're on fire rocks like right power is rocks <laughs> that's it i don't know okay. i just i just feel like fantastic four as a franchise is optimism and i don't feel like there's enough optimism in films right now let alone superhero movies so i just need them right now <laughs> And honestly, I think that if anything, you're instead of getting a movie, you're going to get a TV show. Like the Fantastic Four is going to be a TV show on on Disney Plus before it's a movie. I'm really excited for Fantastic Four and where to find them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Got I got that. <laughs> oh, that reference. Or maybe they they. I mean, because it seems like they're doing a lot with um, Disney Plus in terms of the Avengers that maybe weren't the most popular, but they still are essential giving them stories that will then set up future events. I think they're what they tried to do originally with Netflix. They're like, well, we have our own streaming service now, so we're going to do that, but also we're going to care about it this time. Um, (laughs) So maybe they be background characters in those shows, you know, I could see that happening completely. Reed Richards builds the new flight suit for Falcon. Maybe Uh, that's a terrible pitch. Don't do that. (laughs) That's a terrible pitch. If you're listening, don't don't do that. <laughs> better ideas. You can hit me on Twitter. We can talk. Wouldn't right. wouldn't that be more of a Johnny thing? Isn't oh, yeah. he more of a? The, he was more of a builder, or or just like, like the aerospace cool engineer guy, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, his whole thing was to be hotshot astronaut kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Before we wrap it up, I just wanted the one thing I really want to talk about is James Gunn, like. This is the first time uh, in the MCU that they decide we're going to try out a not so proven director yet. Like he's done some some things and he's and they've all been very much out there and they're they're different. But let's let's give them a try because, like you said, you Ian, you said you you don't really know these other movies, right? Uh, in 2010, he did Super, which was Rain Wilson acting like a Batman s character in a real world setting. You know, he's kind of off his rocker. He uses a wrench and he just beats the crap out of people. Uh, Slither was uh, the movie that uh, Alex mentioned, where it's and a space alien comes in and it it does the classic uh, it came from outer space trope of in, entering this small town. People are getting body snatched, so to, so to speak, and and. It's got Nathan Fillion in it. Who doesn't yeah. love Nathan Fillion? Exactly. <laughs> and then before that, he was working on Tromaville fil- films. Like 
he did Kabuki Man and you know Toxic Avenger stuff. Like it's it's the reason why Lloyd, oh, what the the head of Troma shows up in Guardians of the Galaxy because it, it, he's the guy who gives him his first gives James Gunn his first uh, break. So after this is when we start seeing Marvel do that with the other movies. You, Ryan Coogler comes in with not that many movies, of awesome movies, but yeah, not. Yeah movies under his belt to do a fantastic black black panther movie you know uh the the duo that that make captain marvel they did a movie called half nelson with uh uh ryan they did half they did half nelson that movie is incredible holy crap (laughs) real quick pep just said in chat here just god super was awful i have not seen super so i can't speak to that it it's it's very much it's it's doing what the boys does now it's it's doing what in the umbrella it's deconstructing the superhero like trope kind of thing it's it, it's showing how when your fantasy life gets way too out of hand you know what happens and it's it, like it's not a great movie but it's still interesting i'm here for that yeah i'm here for that <laughs> you tell pep to keep it in the peanut gallery yeah what he said pep <laughs> mitchell fight you dude <laughs> But yeah, so let's. Uh, I I really at this point I feel like because the Avengers has already happened in 2012, they feel like they can take gambles, and it's okay, which is awesome. Yeah, I wish they had come to that conclusion sooner. Um, I, I mean, I didn't finish the first Ant Man from what I watched. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't like upset or anything by that. But I mean, very obviously, Edgar Wright would have done a better job. Yeah, and I it, think. If they had just let him make that movie, it would have like been really, really how much could he could could you have not fit in after the fact based off his movie? Like that movie wasn't that specific. It was just more so we need these characters yeah. from what I saw. <laughs> so was, like you tell me he couldn't have done that with his idea. Like Yeah, I don't know why it just kept getting pushed back. I mean that was that was on that was on there way before Iron Man. Like it was around and they had been just kept pushing the movie back but honestly i like the ant-man movie so i like what oh and i can't even think what the director's name is that that ended up doing the movie uh but but then you but you also get scott scott derrickson doing dr strange like this is a guy who comes from horror movies and he's making this psychedelic like dr strange movie which goes into a whole nother realm literally and figuratively (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to when we get to talk about Doctor Strange because that movie put me on edge for like half of it. It felt like love and, that movie. So so do I. And 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 with that all being said, what we usually try and talk about is where where they they go in the next uh, phase. If I understand correctly, James Gunn was supposed to be the architect for the next phase, the next couple phases, uh, and then we have the the terrible mistake of disney going and firing him right taking him out yeah. of the equation and all of his storylines that were going to be coming for the next couple phases go away uh they have to restructure and then eventually after he gets hired to do suicide squad over at, at dc they're like okay maybe we jump the gun let's go ahead yeah. and hire him back to do <laughs> uh, nice <laughs> do um uh volume volume three of guardians of the galaxy but does his storyline still exist that he he was gonna he was architecting for the rest of phase four and phase five is the big question. 
I think yes. Really? I think that you like for what he did with with Guardians and Volume Two, he did a really good job for as much as I'm not such a fan of Volume Two. But you give that guy the resources and the time, and he's gonna weave you a beautiful story full of all kinds of stuff. And they left the end of Endgame pretty ambiguous for a lot of people. Oh yeah. But that also brings into account like when they fired James Gunn, Dave Batista said he was done. He didn't want yeah. to do any more Disney Marvel movies. But James Gunn is coming back. Does that mean Dave Batista re-signed his contract? Is he still going to be around as uh Drax? I hope so cuz as much as Drax as a character drives me insane, I find him to be like the Jar Jar Binks of of Guardians. Mm. Like <laughs> <laughs> of the of the MCU, Drax is the one that grinds my gears the most. He's just I I don't know. That's true. Um, I, I feel like, well because he's the same joke over and over again. He is. Yeah. The, you're right. Just everything is literal, and he's the best though. He's obviously the worst at everything. Uh, like it's just I got it the first time. You know what I mean? Um, but the problem is they that's his character like you can't if you didn't do that you get complaints for not being true to the character it's a damned if you do damned if you don't he's the the whole thing of like oh his race is super literal they don't get metaphors you can learn what a metaphor is you can you can learn how that works hey so yeah. you're telling me that y'all been flying around in space talking to nothing but each other because there ain't nobody else to talk to and he still doesn't get it you you want you want to talk about how stubborn adults are? We have people that refuse to wear masks in this country. Yes. I mean, facts. True. <laughs> so okay, so you. looking looking at the phase four lineup, a lot of it looks very so it's Eternals, Shang Chi, Multiverse of Madness, WandaVision. Like this, a lot of this has a very mystic vibe to it. Not so much space, like like spacey. So if he was going to be the orchestrator for phase four, phase five, maybe phase five. Cause I, I can't see anything with phase five on here, but for phase four specifically, it feels weird that he would be the, if he was actually going to be the architect for that. Cause this all feels very disconnected from the stuff he was connected to. Right. Um, but the later like guardians, of the galaxy three, obviously that got pushed. It's not on the phase four that I'm looking at currently. So if that's the beginning of phase five and he gets phase five, then yeah, I mean, there's a whole whole mess of stuff they could do. Yeah, so I honestly hadn't put it together that Phase Four was like hyper mystic. I don't know how I didn't put that together. I just kind of oh. looked at the titles and I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, like that's bad. Eternals, Eternals kind of goes both ways of being mystic and outer space because they are in relation to the celestials. Like, so they they have ties to outer space and they definitely have ties to the mystic. So. I think with the the Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, that's also kind of both mi- a mystic and extraterrestrial because it's it's multiverse. So it's a possibility, like where these things are going to land. So then, my question is: obviously, I've been looking really hard at like the cosmic side because that's where we get all of our like like massive big bads, right? Mm-hmm. But from the mystic side if that's where we're going before we go back to space, like who, who comes out of the mystic side? Like as far as the, the for like the front runners for intimidating bad guys. 
I, well, I still throw out Doctor Doom. Like he's both mystic yeah. and science, and I think that'd be a formidable bad guy for both. You could still bring back Dormammu from Doctor Strange because he, he didn't exists in all it. time. Any huh? And he just exists in all time, always, exactly. forever. Yeah. So those are those are some big ones. If you want to do Mephisto, that could be interesting too. Like you, that's a way to bring in the the Ghost Rider. You know, all kinds of different stuff. Ooh. Yeah, and, we get Nicolas Cage back. Honestly, <laughs> you know what? I'm here for it. I am way down for that, dude. I'm here for that. <laughs> you know what uh, I've heard? Get James Gunn to write it too. Ooh, ah. yeah, I'm on. I'm on. I'm on for that. Like, bring Nicolas Cage back for Johnny Blaze, and then what was it? Uh, Norman Reedus as Danny Ketch, the second Ghost Rider. Like, yeah, I've heard. Like, that's a that's a great combo. That there. would be bad. And that would be bad as what? fuck. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. I'm I'm here for it because, like, as cheesy as the Ghost Rider movies were, they were fun. Just yeah, like- and I think that should be the the only bar to measure to. Exactly. Did you have a good time? I yeah. did. Like, again for how cheesy they were he was like johnny cage uh, johnny cage <laughs> johnny cage uh nick cage was good in that role so you keep those canon you're just like i oh, don't know no. like he's been the ghostwriter for a while and then you just have him in that first movie pass the torch to norman Reedus. and like, i don't even oh. think you need to pay attention to it i, I think uh, the the theme of my stance for all these movies should be we don't need to talk about the back stuff just do it I mean, Lionsgate might have some issue with you, no, uh, no, no, you know, no. referring back to the other movies. Plus, Idris Alba in the second Ghost Rider movie, so <laughs> you know, Idris Alba was in the second Ghost Rider movie, so we don't want to bring that right. up. Ah, fine. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, Pep is using highlighted messages here to make sure I see this. Uh, he wants Cage for Cosmic Ghost Rider. To play Punisher? <laughs> like, to play Frank Castle as the Cosmic Ghost Rider? He says, "He says I want Cage for Cosmic Ghost Rider. He's ready for it. I mean, okay. John Bernthal could stick around if it has to be Frank Castle. I mean, I'm all for John Bernthal's Frank Castle. Like that, he was he great. Was great. Yeah, I wasn't such a fan of the standalone Punisher show, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't loved, watch it. I loved Daredevil. Yeah, um, the second season of the of the Punisher show was a lot better than the first season, but I liked the first season too. The first season was just so slow." It was, and they were trying to do a whole thing, and they just decided in the second one, let's go a little bit more comic book with it. And I'm, I was I'm okay. Just with that. here for, I just wanted to see him beat people up. That's all I cared about. <laughs> all you see in the second season to just good. go. It. <laughs> good. Um, says Pep says yes to Nick Cage being Frank Castle <laughs> <laughs> because he's like, it just says not kooky enough. That's I mean, those are the answers. That, that is exactly what Cosmic Ghost Rider is. He's super like people thought it was going to be Deadpool when they they pulled off the mask and because of the way he acts. So it <laughs> makes sense. Not the cosmic beast. <laughs> so what's what's up with Deadpool? Where where does he sit in all of this? Because he's Fox property, right? Yeah, and Ryan Reynolds has been pushing pushing hard to get him into the MCU uh, as of late. Rob Liefeld has been going on the internet and being like. Disney's never gonna make a Deadpool movie. It's like so Disney, if if anything, Disney knows they like to make money. So when it when it comes to it, they're gonna be like, let's make that Deadpool movie. Here you go. Disney. This is how you use Deadpool. Are you listening? I'm looking at the wrong camera. This camera. Are you listening? Uh 
Stan Lee has passed. I was just gonna say the same thing, bro. You put you put Deadpool in where Stan Lee would be, and you had you dress him up like Stan Lee in all of those spots. Yeah. So that he gets to be the stand-in because he's yes. the one that can be everywhere because he's been in everything with everyone and he's just there for a minute to go oh wow catchy one-liner that's probably a little racy and then you move on that's you, all you need to do with deadpool now i mean do you pay ryan reynolds for for that just to come on talk, so so here's doing it for free yeah so this is the thing i think ryan reynolds is smart enough and also i don't think he needs the money enough right now that he could probably do a couple cameos, and then once Marvel catches on to, holy shit, everybody loves this guy, he knows he'll get a movie. That yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. And As much as Deadpool drives me insane, and I am beyond just done with the character at this point, it sells. It does sell. People like it. I love Deadpool. <laughs> I, I, I'm all for it. I, I like Ryan Reynolds' interpretation of Deadpool. So, like the, the first Deadpool movie was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I'm just in the I'm in the spot with Deadpool of like, yeah, that that was fun. I liked it. And then you have like the Rick and Morty fan base of Deadpool that's just like it's the best thing. And if you don't like it, you're wrong. And but that's everything. You can't base it off that. Yeah, you can't base anything off of fanboys. You know, reactions. It's just I mean, you have to throw that out with the bathwater. You're right, but it's just a, I, it's frustrating and annoying. I'm sure there's a gatekeeper for local broadcast television. All right, that it's everywhere. Just yeah. let it. <laughs> it's Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. all right. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Alex, where can people find you online? Um, if you wanted to find me, uh, I'm on Twitter, Alex L Lusardi. It's my last name, uh, and that's pretty much it. I don't really have anything else. I feel lied to. I, f- I thought it was Malfoy this whole time. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, so obviously that's taken, unfortunately. And I was not able to get it back. Okay. And, I mean, his bio does say the resident Slytherin. So it does. Yeah. And uh, Ian, where can people find you online? Hi, if you're here with us right now, you know where to find me. Twitch.tv. And you've been here the whole time and we've had fun. I've been watching you in chat. I, I swear, I've been reading chat this whole time, and y'all are hysterical. But, oh, was there anything that we should have been pulling out? Not so much. It was mostly just like, well, what about Human Torch? And <laughs> what about... It was mostly Bruce going... Argh. Chris Evans, who played Human yeah. Torch, Captain America. Yeah. We got we to gotta address it every time. Yeah. We have to address it every time. Um, he's also... Captain America got beat by Scott Pilgrim. But anyway... Yep. Uh, you can never forget find me. You can find me on Twitter because that's what we're doing right now. Hi, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at uh, Ian Flux 12 I A N F L U X 1 2. Holler at me. There you go. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia G E M G E M stands for Geek Elite Media. The rest of Geek Elite Media is on Twitter at Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media on Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Guess what? We also started up a Patreon. So go to our Patreon Whoa. page and in one of our tiers if that's how this whole thing works. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, check out our website, geekleetmedia.com for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network. Uh, please rate and review this podcast and 
Ian's Twitch channel, if that's uh, how that works. Uh, <laughs> it is, but you can follow. <laughs> so that you can help spread the word of our podcast network. But until next time, oh, Alex, do you know do you know this part? Do you know, do you know, do you know how this part works? Do you know how this works? Uh, I did, and then now I'm on the spot, and now I'm not sure. You should remind <laughs> me anyway. So after I say, always remember to, just say, geek out with us. Oh, okay, gotcha. You don't have to say the with us part. Just, just say, geek out. Okay. Okay. I got but it. Until next time, this is Journey into Mystery saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast.